Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out at our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastchrist.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. All right, so here's a question. Here's a question. The question is, Christmas time, how many, how many people are feeling um, like harried and harassed already? I mean, who are already a little bit frazzled? Just a little bit. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Christmas is, is a time of, of being frazzled. Maybe I could come up with a phrase like, like they used to, the girls used to do on their shoes, like bedazzled. We could be befrazzled at Christmas. No, okay. Um, you're you're going to be discerning about my humor today. I could tell. I'll work. I'll work hard. All right. All right. We got some more down here with their hands up down front. Usher, you got any more cards? Out of cards. That's the best thing I've heard all week. Out of cards. Stop by customer service. I didn't even know we had a customer service. It must like the welcome center. Somewhere out there. Find somebody. Sign up. It'll be good for you. Anyway, so here's the deal. At Christmas time, it's just, it's just this. You know, it's just, I actually try the last two weeks before Christmas to not go into parking lots. Not only for fear for my life and the welfare, but my own salvation. I could lose my salvation. And I think this year it started early. I was in a parking lot. Nate was in there, a tech guy around here. Nate and I were going to luncheon. And I am, I am serious. We almost get hit by three people. I had to get saved, repent, get saved. I mean, it's just, it was bad. It was bad. So uh, one of the things I want us to do is I want us to realize that Christmas is crazy. It's crazy. But uh, it doesn't have to be that way. So I wanna, I'm not going to tell you anything new today, all right? I'm going to tell you things you've heard before. I'm going to remind you, okay, how to have a different kind of Christmas. And we're in a new series. And a part of what makes Christmas crazy is we're all going for more, okay? We're all going for more. And it's the wrong more. And I'll explain it to you a little bit. But we're just going for more. It's just, it's just in us. We just think we're, we're inculcated with more is always better. More is always better. Uh, you know, the, the famous with the, the one movie with the, the lights, too many lights, and he blows it. It's, it's just more is always better, right? But it's not necessarily true. If it's the wrong more, it's worse. It's a lot worse. And so we're talking about um, quit chasing Christmas. So that's an interesting conversation. We've had that many times over the years. What are you really chasing after Christmas? What are you, why are you doing all that? Why are you, why are you so, what, are you, what is it you're trying to get or find or achieve? Or what is it? And I want us to kind of stop and take a look at that. Because a lot of us spend a lot of energy at Christmas only to be extremely let down in January. We're exhausted and we're broke. And why is that? Is that what Christmas is supposed to be? So I want to maybe help us squeeze a little different meaning out of Christmas, a little different experience, a healthier one, a more God-honoring kind of, kind of thing. Here's what it kind of feels like uh, in, in, in the world that I see at Christmas time. Um, we all want peace on earth and love and joy and all this stuff, but we act like crazy people, right? We just act like we're just frenetic and, you know, what I mean? It reminds me of a situation. Connie and I were going to an event, and you know, when you go to a big event, you know, you got a, there's huge crowds coming in all at the same time, and people are just, you know, and you're kind of moving along with the crowd. It was, it was a really, it wasn't a concert, it was something much more important. It was a, it was a rodeo. But <laughs> the Calgary Stampede, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying I was there. But anyway, and so we're trying to get in there, and there are thousands of people trying to get in this gate, and it comes to this point where you go through the first turnstile, and there's this kind of long, narrow kind of bottleneck, and, and then you go through another turnstile, and then you're in. And, uh, and so I'm in the middle of this, and, and we're just all kind of moving along, and behind me, I mean, thousands of people, behind me I hear this screaming, like, like, like uh, just really 
uh, alarming, screaming. So I, I'm able to turn around and look, and I see a young man, maybe in his early 20s, big kid, big kid, but I can tell that he's developmentally challenged. And it's obvious that he's gotten separated from his parents or his caregiver or whatever it is, and he's just overstimulated the crowds, the noise. The, it would happen to be also at a fair, and there are rides, and, and he was just, and he's just stopped and just closed and just started screaming. And I wanted to go back and help him, and I turned around to go, and there's just no way. The crowd just took me in. I'm like, well, hopefully, you know, he's a big enough kid, and, and he's in a good spot, and the security gets him, whatever. But I was thinking about that illustration. I feel that way sometimes at Christmas. Because what he did was probably the best thing he could do. Instead of wandering around on his own all day until his caregivers could find him or not find him, he just stopped, and he just started yelling. He's sure to be found, right? I, I just feel that way at Christmas. Maybe we should just stop. You don't have to scream. It's okay. You're going to feel like an occasion. You don't have to scream. Why are we chasing Christmas? We didn't chase the first Christmas. It came to us. That's the point of Christmas. It comes to us. See, what we got to do is we got to fight for our space to experience Christmas and not get caught up in the crowd going who knows where. You got to stop and you got to go, I'm going to let Christmas come to me. I'm going to open myself up to Christmas, not Lights and presents and all the other stuff, they're all fine. I don't. Christmas, the point of Christmas. And so I want to talk about that today and just give you, some, give you some thoughts. Stop chasing Christmas, start embracing the Christ of Christmas and his will for your life. I think, I think that's the key. And so um, I just want to give you two things to remind you. One is there's some things you're going to need to reduce. There's some things you're going to need to reduce in your life. See, there are things you say yes to and things you say no to. Things you do less of and things you need to do more of. And we're chasing the wrong more. If I could kind of do this, it's a weird thought, but I just want to do it just for fun to see if it works for you. I want to compare Mary and Eve. Eve of Adam and Eve fame and Mary, the mother of Jesus. I just want, I want to look at that because sometimes we're chasing more and we end up with much less. Whereas Jesus seemed to turn things upside down and say, if you go after less, I will give you more than you can ever imagine. That's kind of the story. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm making too much. But you, see what you think. Eve, she had a garden. Mary was a semi-troglodyte. You don't know what that is. I just learned it when I was in Israel the last time. Is cave dweller. The back, so if you go to, to where Mary lived, you will find a house excavated. We don't know if it's Mary's house or another one, but they're a very small village. So she lived within a very short distance, just a few feet of this place if it wasn't her house. And they would have all been the same. Back half of the house is a cave. Front half of the house is some kind of structure. And very, very humble and very, very simple. And the, the animals lived there in there with them at night. And so got Eve with a garden, Mary with a cave and a structure. Um, Eve had all you could eat. Um, Mary had very humble peasant food by some of what they found in the... In the um, uh, in the excavation. Um, Eve had a husband. Uh, Mary had a confused fiance. Uh, Eve had a great family of origins. Think about that. Mary um, had parents who didn't understand this unexpected and hard to explain pregnancy. You've got um, Eve who wanted more. She wanted more. That's why she ate the fruit. She wanted not just everything God had given her. She wanted to be equal with God. And she ended up with nothing. Mary said, I'll take less. I'll take less to my dreams, my hopes, the marriage I intended, the wedding I was going to have. I will, I will take less. And in the end, receive more than she could have ever imagined. You see, sometimes you need to choose less. If it's in God's will for less, there will be more in the end. How do we find that even just, just as 
bring it down to this Christmas. How do I choose less in order to receive more? So you reduce some things. You reduce some, the self stuff. The self stuff. It's true in life. It's true at this Christmas. It's like self-will. Like some of us kind of look at God like here's what God hears. It's kind of a divine vending machine. God, here's what I want. If I'm going to get where I want to go, you're going to have to provide these things. You're going to have to help me. It's the wrong way to go about life, by the way. Some of us approach Christmas that way. We go to Christmas, but here's what needs to happen in this Christmas. I've predetermined what Christmas is. It looks similar to a Norman Rockwell painting. And a part of why we're depressed in January is because Norman Rockwell didn't show up. Because whatever Christmas we end up having with, it never meets our ideal because we're putting false expectations on Christmas. I'll get to that at the end. What if this year you didn't decide what Christmas should look like? You asked God to decide. What if this Christmas you said, I, I, I want this, I think I'd like this, but God, I am open to whatever you want in my life this Christmas. And, and then whatever happens, I can trust you with it. And, I, I, and it won't live up to my ideal because I've set aside my ideal and I'm going to trust you with something greater. Give me more than I have asked for this Christmas. Maybe it has to do with self-will, control. Maybe it has to do with self-sufficiency, independence. A guy years ago, 25 years ago, a businessman started to come to faith and he brought me this sign. And we had talked about, you know, how you lead an organization and stuff. And he was, he was a CEO and, and he thought he was being helpful. And he brought me this sign and he says, if it is to be, it's up to me. And he wanted me to display it in my office. And I just looked at it and went, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think it's up to me. I think it's up to God. As a matter of fact, all the things you think are up to you, God may have more influence in that than you think he does. And in my line of work, I really know for sure it's not up to me, okay? I'm really sure of that. But many of us live our lives and we've got, we've got this aspiration that <clears throat> if it is to be, if I'm going to get, and God may be going, you're not even heading in the right direction. You're not, even, you're not even aspiring to the right things. So I remember when I was a, a, a young pastor, I was mostly just scared to death and I knew I was in over my head most of the time. I had two things go up for me. I had Jesus and I had my wife. And Jesus is more important, but only slightly on some days. And, but every once in a while, we'd hit one. We'd hit one and it would work. And, and you know, a church, 50 people, whatever it was. It was tiny. And every once in a while, you know, actually three people showed up. And I thought, oh, I got this figured out. And, uh, and next week was back to normal and I'd lose that. But for those few days, I was pretty full of myself, right? And I used to have this, this thought, this crazy thought that, you know, that if I really am good at this, then pastors will come from all over the United States, maybe the world to come listen to me, how you get three more people every week. And, and, and it's called fame. But it's not the kind of fame you aspire to. This was holy fame. I'm not sure God wants anybody to be famous, by the way. I don't think it's a blessing. I think it's a curse. Nobody handles it well. Very few. Billy Graham might be the only one I know. Here's the reality. Over the years, I realized that those aspirations were just silly. God had no interest in making me famous. Here's what God wanted, was me to be faithful. Because in the end, I could try to touch a whole lot of people in some superficial little way that made me well-known, or I could spend my life with a group of people trying to grow together with them, and we would impact each other to be more like Jesus. That's called being faithful. And when I stand before God, he's not going to talk about how famous I was. <laughs> he's going to talk about how famous. No, he's going to talk about how faithful. So, I, I, I sometimes we just need to kind of give up some stuff because sometimes we're aspiring to the wrong things. That's true of Christmas as well. Um, 
you're saying, well, let, I, no, let's keep going. Uh, it's giving up the self stuff, the, the self-generated self ideas about what needs to happen, the self-prescriptions of the narratives that we think are right for our lives. What if we leave all that to God and we seek first to be faithful? Um, and then the stocking, the stocking stuff. This has to do with materialism. More is never enough. And yet, every Christmas, we are convinced to buy more and more and more stuff that we don't need. The truth is, more stuff isn't going to get you where you want to go. You can't remember three things you got last Christmas. Right? Now, you might remember three things you gave last Christmas, which ought to tell us something. Right? So, on some level, when intellectually, yeah, you know, more is not the answer. The, you know, the, the idolatry of, of abundance or materialism, we know that's not, that's not it. And yet, it creeps back in. And on some level, we still spend so much money, we're in debt in January. Here's what Luke 12 says. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I will never forget this verse. The reason I'll never forget this verse, my mom and dad quoted it a lot when we were growing up. But I'll never forget this verse because, and some of you heard this story, I'll make it brief. Because when I was a freshman in college, I came home, brought my dirty laundry for my mom to do. Yep, I was that kid. And, um, and while we were at church on Sunday morning, our entire house burned down to the ground. We were about an hour away. By the time we arrived home, it was gone. There was nothing left. A farmer had driven by, we lived out in the country, driven by, ran in, grabbed some pictures, and threw a drawer full of pictures out, and that was it. There was nothing else. And as we drove up, I'll never forget my mom's words. She quoted this passage. That's all she said. She just quoted this passage. And there wasn't a big hoopla. There was a lot of emotionalism. My mom just quoted this passage, and we picked up and went on with life. I remember celebrating at Christmas in a little rental house. It had three rooms. It was tiny. It was the only thing out in the country we could get. Little tiny thing. The Christmas tree is about that big because it's all we had room for. It's one of my best memories of Christmas. The reality is not about our stuff, but we forget that. I, was, I took my three older grandchildren out to dinner, kind of a fancy dinner, and as we're eating our hot dogs, <laughs> hey, it costs like it was fancy. I'm telling you that right now. It's ridiculous. Ten bucks for a hot dog and fries? Come on. Uh, Anyways, we're sitting, we're talking and stuff, and, and a subject came up on the way home, and, and it was, I, I can't remember what it was about, it was something about the, the, the screen, or something. and I said, you guys know that when I was your age, I didn't have a TV. I'm like, what? And one of them said, well, then you watch your iPad all the time. <laughs> I said, no, we didn't have iPads, we didn't have any screens of any kind. So you can, I didn't say TV didn't exist when I was their age, we just didn't have one. And, uh, and, and, and I said, no, what would you do? Well, we listen to records. Well, Papa, what's a record? I don't know, you little brat. Just leave me alone. You know what a record is. And so I explained to him, well, my brother and my brothers and I, we would just play games. Sometimes we'd play church. One of us, would, we'd get on a chair and get a broom and like our microphone and one of us would sing and one of us would preach and we'd just have church because that's the only thing we knew how to do because we lived next door, literally next door to the church. And you know, they just, oh gosh. You know. and, uh, and then they said, how did you survive? I tried to explain to the generations before them have, have survived without screens. It's possible. Barely, but it's possible. And as, I, and as I think about the opulence in which we live and the inculcating of our children with materialism and the fact that our entire culture runs on us buying stuff. If we stopped buying half of what we buy, everything would fall apart. 
I begin to think about that. And I'm thinking, well, no wonder we're so frenetic, so out of control at Christmas. We're worshiping the wrong God. We're worshiping materialism, whether we acknowledge it or not. It has made its way into our life. Maybe we need to come to grips with the fact that more is not better. More is just more. Maybe it's the wrong more to be chasing after. Maybe it's idolatry. I was telling somebody uh, after the service, I didn't share this in the other two services, but I was telling them, I, I've seen people repent of a lot of things. And repent means to admit I was wrong and to decide with God's help to go the other direction. I've seen people repent of alcoholism, adultery, bitterness, anger. Do you know how rare it is for somebody to repent of their financial misdeeds? And I'm not talking about embezzlement. I'm talking about just being greedy or being wasteful or letting, not being a good steward of what God has given you. You know how rare it is for somebody to repent of that? I have to admit, on my own level, I've had to repent of that. Many times I've had to repent of that because I allowed a false God, a false expectation that if I could just get more, it was going to be okay. I had a friend many years ago, someone I met actually, and, and they were very wealthy, and you know, like everything I've ever earned by times 100. And um, I said, man, I, I just wish I was rich like you so I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> kind of cheeky, but I don't care. He's rich. Get over it. And, uh, and he said to me, yeah, but you'd have to deal with everything that comes with it. And he said it with such deep sadness. I didn't even dare ask a follow-up question. I was shocked. I, to this day, don't know what he was talking about. But I felt in that moment he was trying to warn me, you don't want it. You don't want what goes with it. I, I, I still don't know what he was talking about. I, but I took it as, as a message from God. Let it alone, but you don't need this. It's not for you. Sometimes we need to kind of get a grip with that. Uh, we live in a society that would teach us otherwise, but we have seen the outcomes. So, um, you know, the self stuff, the stocking stuff, the schedule stuff. Why are we so out of control? Here's what happens at Christmas. We have our, our regular schedule, which most of us are scheduled at about 110% of capacity. And then we add another 110% on top. So we try to do our regular lives. And then in December, we try to do that much again. And we wonder why we get to January and we're depressed and exhausted and broke. It's because we're just out of control, because we're living up to false expectations, other people's expectations, and we've got to let go of some stuff. We've got to learn to live a different kind of life. You know, here, here's what we learned from Mary and, and, uh, about this and Eve. You, you know what you cannot do at high speed? Is you cannot uh, treasure and ponder. Remember Mary? It says in Luke 2, and she pondered these things and treasured them in her heart. She pondered and treasured. Can you imagine when the wise men showed up and she's going, ah, another affirmation that I wasn't dreaming when I saw that angel. When the shepherd showed up and, 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 and she heard the angel, because there's a pretty good chance she could hear the angel singing because it's right there. It's a small place, Bethlehem. They were just, they were just grazing the sheep right outside. So, another affirmation. And she just took it. And you know why treasuring and pondering is so important? Because there was a coming a day and, 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 and Simeon at the temple warned her about this uh, at the end of the first week of Jesus' life. said, and your soul is going to be pierced as well. There was a day when Jesus was dying on a cross and all those things that she had treasured and pondered gave her courage to face that moment, not knowing what was coming, but knowing who was in charge of what was coming. 
See, you and I hit difficult spots in life, and because we've been running at 110% or 220% attempting to it at Christmas time, and we hit a rough spot, and we hit a, a dark, cold January, and we just melt because we have not pondered anything or treasured anything. You see, Christmas for me is a fight. It is a fight to keep it about what it's supposed to be about. Right? So, no, 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 don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching against lights or even presents. I'm talking about your heart condition and how you spend your time and your energy at Christmas. I'm talking about the fact that, do you know what Christmas is? Christ Mass. It's a church service, a Mass to honor Jesus for coming. I want to just challenge you, your aspirations for your Christmas season. Would they go well in a Christ Mass? Are they something you want to bring to church to honor Jesus? Because I got to tell you, I spend a lot of energy on stuff that Jesus doesn't give a rip about. It's just me. So here's what the deal is. I think it was Richard Foster said this. We have within us all these selves. He doesn't mean multiple personalities. He means things that we want to get. So there is the ambitious self. I got to get all this done. There is the thoughtful self. I'd like to give presents to everybody in the whole world and we'd sing Coca-Cola or something, whatever. Um, you know, we have that caring self. We have, the, we have this, this image uh, conscious self. I need everybody to think that I'm just having a great Christmas. So on social media, I'm going to get some good pictures. Right? And so all these selves fighting for a piece of our time, a piece of our attention, a piece of our energy. We have all of these selves. And so we're trying to satisfy all of these parts of us. We need someone to referee. We need someone to tell which is legitimate, which is not legitimate, and what is most important. You know that when you're little kids, you get taught you should ask Jesus into your heart. So Christ is in you. True. But the Bible has another imagery, by the way. One, I think, maybe even more helpful. Once we've invited Jesus in to be Lord of our life, which is what I'm talking about right here, we need to then begin to see ourselves being in Christ. Not Christ in us, because it almost sounds like Christ in us, if we allow it to. Perfectly legitimate, we need to do it. But if we stop there, that means Christ has joined our agenda, our narrative. In other words, I know where I'm going. I'm going to get there. Jesus, you're going to help me. Good, let's go. But what really is when I'm in Christ, it's about his, it's not everything revolving around my desires, my wishes. It is, I am in Christ. I am in his story. I am in his narrative. This Christmas, I need to live out my part in his narrative, not him living out his part in my narrative. Does that make sense? And so now I'm not living to make sure I get the right presence. I have the right food. I have the right table setting. I have, uh, I have the right impression for everybody. I'm not living for all that because those are all my story. But if I'm living this month in a, in a Christ mass, in a, in a service honoring God, I need to remember what do I need to, to do to bring to this math, to this mass, this service, to participate in his narrative. What do I bring to this? See, because if it's about my narrative, I, it's going to center around me and everything's going to be interpreted by how this impacts me. Whether it's how people are driving in the parking lot, whether it's the toy store being out or the line being too long or somebody's not bringing the right thing or not cooperating in the family. Part, all that stuff. If I enter that in the light of how it affects me, I'm going to have a lousy Christmas because I got the wrong point. But if I'm a part of his story and somebody backs up on me in the parking lot, I go, oh, I, wonder, I wonder what's happening there. In, in, so for example, I, I read a story about this guy and he was, he was in this mode. He was in the, it's my story and, and everything is interpreted how it affects my story. And he began to realize that he was getting really, really short with his family and friends. And he was just irritated with his employees most of the time because nobody was living, that's how I am on a freeway. If you people learn to drive, 
according to how I think you should drive, we'd all be better off. And by the way, we would, but that's not the point. And he said, you know, I realized that everything was about how it affected me. Christmas is about Jesus. What if I did this little practice? I just think this is brilliant. I want to do this this week, especially in parking lots. He said, I just committed, with God's help, to pray for every person I interacted with in a given day. He says, so I got up in the morning and I meant to leave the house and I realized I haven't even prayed for my wife. So he steps back. He doesn't talk to her or anything. He's just in his mind, just pray, Lord, just give her a great day and help her just to really feel what she's doing important. And then went on his way. And, but, but as he gets in the car, he realized, I didn't pray for my kids. And so he just stops and Lord, I just pray that you'll give them a great day at school and keep them safe and let them know how much you love them and, and how important you are in their life. And then, okay. And then he goes to get his coffee and, and, and the, the guy behind, what do you, I never know, is a barista? Is that the, the coffee person? It's just in a foul mood. Just in a foul mood. And make him like 10 minutes late for his next appointment. And, he's, and he gets his coffee finally. They misspelled his name. It's not the right stuff. And he gets, okay, I'm out of here. And then he hits the door and he goes, I didn't even think about praying for them. I was worried about what they were doing with my coffee and how long it was taking so he stops a little bit, just pray for the guy behind the counter. Obviously, he's bugged about something and something's not going right. And Lord, whatever's happening in his life, just, just uh, lift him up and, and help him have a better day. And he started doing this for his whole day. And, and he said, it was, he said nobody else knew what I was doing. I would just pause every once in a while. And he said, and you know what happened? As I went through my day, my day went from, I wish these people speed up. I got places to go. I wish this guy get my car ready. He never gets my car ready. I just wish. And he went to, he said, I wonder what's happening with them. I wonder why the guy in the parking lot flipped me off for no reason. I was just sitting there. Lord, what, what's going on with that? I, it doesn't matter. what it, it has no impact on me at all. Lord, what's, what's going on with them? What's he going through? Lord, just, just me. And he, and he said, here's what happened. I don't know if God answered any of the prayers, but here's what happened. I began to see people as Jesus sees them. Instead of walking through life, how everything affects me, I began to look around and say, Jesus sees that person. And he's not, he's not upset that they're in a bad mood. He's looking at what's really going on. What's the problem? What's really happening here? And he says, I began to pray for people. I began, Christmas started to be about Jesus. What a novel idea. Christmas started to be about what it's supposed to be about. I began to live as if I was in a church service where I was praying for people's needs, that God would bless them or God would heal them or bring them hope or whatever. And I began to celebrate and reverence this holiday in a way that I had not done before. Does that make sense? You ever see a ball player that's in the zone? It could be a pitcher, it could be a three-point shooter. They're in the zone, and they're just in the zone. We've been living Christmas in the zone, but it's been the wrong zone. It's been, what can I get out of this zone? How does this impact me zone? How does this make me look zone? What if it was Jesus is up to something zone? Jesus came for a reason zone. Jesus wants me to be a part of his mission, his redemptive mission on earth. What if I lived in that zone? How would that change things? Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, but it won't happen unless you try, Right? What if we just took, my, my uh, second grade grandson told me the other day he wanted to go do something with me. He goes, and what day can we do it? And we we're trying to figure out. He goes, I'll, I'll have to check my calendar. <laughs> he was serious. He's got a calendar. I'm going to rip it up when I find it. <laughs> second grader doesn't need a calendar. He needs to play, have some fun, and hang out with Papa. What's the big deal here? You need to kind of rip up some of your expectations. By the way, let me tell you two things. Eve teaches you better be very careful what you say yes to. And Mary teaches us, you're going to have to say no to some things. This teenage girl, teenage girl getting married, dreaming about the wedding and the family and the home they're going to build together, how incredible it's going to be. And all of a sudden, God says, no, I've got a different plan. I'm going to need you to say no to your plan. 
I've got a plan. You can't see yet. You just got to trust me. But it's going to be incredible. Sometimes you need to just say no to what you want and let God have something better for you. You've got to deal with the schedule stuff. So that's all the negative stuff. Let's talk about some positive stuff. There are things we need to reinforce at Christmas, and I'll go through this fairly quickly. Reinforce your relationship with God, that you're a child of God. Define the relationship with God. Great thing to do at Christmas. Remember first your child of God. Eve saw herself as someone who was in competition with God. Didn't work out. Mary saw herself as a servant of God. I am your servant. May it be unto me as you have said, she said to the angel. She was in relationship. She was, she was a child of God, loved by God. What about called by God? An interesting discussion we had this week. I was talking about how Mary felt called by God. But Autumn, one of our staff pastors, she said, you know, um, Mary wasn't just called to give birth to Jesus and to raise him. If you read in Acts, you will find that Mary was still there at the beginning of the church. She was called not only to give birth to our Savior and to raise him, but to help establish the church his people on the kingdom at work, his people on earth. She was called to that. I just want to say this briefly. This is, I know, this is a broken record with me. You know what a record is, right? Um, if you don't find why God put you here, you don't understand the calling in your life, why you're still breathing. Some of you are so busy trying to escape to get to the next place, you don't realize God's got you where he's got you for a reason. It might be for your development, but it most certainly is for other people's benefit around you. And until you understand, you are called by God wherever you are, and there is something you're supposed to be doing, you won't enjoy life the way you're supposed to. You'll always be thinking there's something more in the next, in the next yard, in the next place, in the next level, whatever it is. But God has you where you are for a reason. There is a calling on you, just like there was that teenage girl who became one of the... By the way, where do you think Luke got all this information about Christ's birth? He's probably talking to Mary. Because she was still there. She was still leading. She was still living out her calling. There is a calling on your life. There is an expectation. God created you for certain, with certain likes and certain disposition and, and certain experiences for a reason. Not just so you could earn a living, but so you could impact people for eternity. I could talk about that one for a while. You could tell child of God, called by God, ongoing connection with God. Here's what she said in, when she sang about her experience. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She wasn't, she wasn't bragging. She was humble. She was so thankful for the connection with God. If we don't come out with anything else at Christmas, let's at least come out thankful that Christ came. Let's walk out of this thing grateful. That Christ came. It changes everything. And then finally, that we are committed to God and his people. Daily communication with God. Ongoing fellowship with other believers. Serving where I need to serve. And living the life that God intends for me. These are all important, especially at Christmas. Let me just, let me just finish with this. Um, I was thinking about all of my Christmases. And I can't remember the earliest ones, but I remember pretty early. And um, I have to be honest with you. Many of my thoughts of Christmas um, include an element of loneliness. The reason, I don't want you to feel sorry for me, it's okay, but it it does point to something. Um, We grew up far from extended family, and so many of them, as a child, most of my Christmas Eves were spent driving long distances uh, in the dark and uh, and, and to, to try to go be with relatives. Um, and then when we got married, uh, my 
my wife and, and, and when we had kids, we would drive from where we lived in the Chicago suburbs down to my parents' house out in the country about four hours away. And oftentimes it was snowing and you're out in farm country and, and there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, like lights and cities and stuff. And, and we usually pick up a pizza and drive till about two in the morning and get there and my mom would be there and the fireplace would be going and she'd get the kids all cuddled up in a spot and by the tree and show them the train and we, and Remember other times, even after we moved to California, we started a little church and said we have a Christmas Eve service. We were there with all 12 people or whatever it was. And, and so we went and jumped on a plane that night and, and we're flying to be with family. And, and we got into the airport in Denver and it was like six people in the whole airport very late on Christmas Eve and, and just kind of the weirdness of that feeling. And, and uh, I remember driving across you know, Texas, places where nobody lives and for good reason and uh, and you know there's nothing out there in west texas there's nothing out there once why you see a ranch house in the desert with some scraggly tree and some lights on it it was just here's the word that i often and even even sometimes with family i experience this lonely i've experienced a lot of loneliness that's maybe why i love our christmas eve services so much here loneliness you know what i wanted in those moments more than anything else is to get home to be home. Here's the truth about what we want at Christmas. The reason we chase the Norman Rockwell painting, we want just for a few minutes or a few hours everything to be okay, is we want to experience home. That's what we want to experience. But I, I got to tell you, no matter how many presents you buy, no matter how many family comes, it's never going to be what you're really wanting. Because there will be a day where there's a family reunion in heaven where we meet the one who loved us so much that he came for us. And in that day, and on that day, we will experience what it is we have been seeking all these years, being truly home, being a place where we are known and we are loved unconditionally, where we are appreciated for the gifts and the abilities and the contributions we make, where we are bathed in the warmth of God's love. And whatever doubts and fears we carried with us, and whatever abuse happened to us, it is all melted away because in the light of his love and the warmth of his presence, we will be where we have always wanted to be. I got bad news. That's not going to happen at your Christmas. But here's what can't happen. You can get a taste. See, I think that's what we're trying for. I think when we do Christmas, we want just a taste of heaven. Just a taste of finally being home. Just a moment. Just a brief moment where things are all right. And we know God's in charge. And he loves us. Whether it's finally arriving and sitting by the fireplace or it's after everybody's gone to bed and you're by yourself and you're the last one up and you're sitting next to the tree and the warmth of the glow of the tree and you're just in that moment. It is a taste, a foretaste of what we are to experience forever. It is in us. For our very birth, a desire for that is in us. And the best we can hope for this Christmas is to get a little closer to home. Have a little taste of home aspire to experiencing and not just for ourselves, but sharing it. You ever been to a kind of a fancy party where they serve hors d'oeuvres, right? Hors d'oeuvres, it's like appetizers, right? Okay, just check it. You're looking at me like, you know what's going And the guys are walking around. I always felt bad for the guy who's got the like, like bacon-wrapped uh, liver. Because he's offering and he's, uh, and everybody's like, uh, right? Even the dog won't take it, right? And this poor guy, man, he's got to do his job. And by the end of the night, he's like, but then there's always the other one. And, and whoever it is, they probably get higher on the seniority list of servers or something. They've got the one, you know, the delicious one. Everybody, you got to try that. you got to try. And, and they're just, you know, just, here's what I think is supposed to happen at Christmas. 
I think you and I are supposed to be so in touch with what Christmas is really about. So in love with the Jesus who came to redeem us. So thankful that he came. So anticipating the day when we go home that we just walk around to the rest of the world. While they're buying all those presents they think are going to make everybody happy. While they're spending all that money. While they're trying to pretend it's all together and just go, would you like a taste of something real? Would you like a little taste? Just a, let's call it a taste of Christmas. Let's just call it that. Why do you think we go crazy around here on Christmas Eve? Because we like doing all that hard work? No, because we want you to bring your friends so they get a little taste, just a little bite of what life is supposed to be like and what life will be like forever in his presence. That's what you're looking for this Christmas. That's what everybody's looking for this Christmas. That's what we need to focus on this Christmas. Live in that zone, the Christmas zone, the anticipation zone, the munching zone, where we get to have a little foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. See, that's what's powerful about Christmas. That's what we need to be thinking about. That's where we need to be spending our time. All the other stuff, give it whatever time you want to. But this is what matters. Let's serve up a great Christmas. Let's have a great Christmas. Let's remember what's really important. Let's fight for that place and not get swept along in the crowds going the wrong direction. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so grateful. I love this season. I'm so grateful that we have this incredible opportunity to stop, to recalibrate, to, to experience you, to remember that you came. And because you came, everything is different. Lord, let us, let us not settle for the bright lights, the superficiality, the consumerism that surrounds us. Let us fight for so much more. Let us fight for the true meaning of Christmas, the taste of forever, the taste of truly being home that we all desire. And let us serve that up to anybody who will come. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Merry Christmas. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.